Amen. Thanks, Kaylee. Thanks, worship team. Kevin, Debbie, Javi. Uh, it's awesome to be together around God's word this morning. If you have a copy of uh, the scriptures, we're going to be in many places in the book of Acts. My name's Daniel. I get the opportunity to teach God's word today and uh, be lead pastor here at Journey Church. We're in a series, this is week three, called The Spirit in Acts. And uh, today we're looking at the spirit of witness, the spirit of witness, or you could take notes and and say the spirit of missions. And just some housekeeping things. I'm not going to go long this morning. Uh, My kiddos are in the room and and I know uh, that my wife is is a champion doing that all by herself. Uh, And so there he is. And so Sabbath you. But uh, so kiddos, parents, grandparents, uh, listen quick because we're going to dive through this about how the spirit of God is working in the book of Acts as a spirit of witness. And we're defining the word witness as uh, the scripture defines it today in the early church as one who has experienced something and then shares about it. And then missions, you could define simply as making God's name known for the purpose of worship, for the purpose of worship. John Piper in his book on missions, Let the Nations Be Glad, his opening sentence in chapter one says, missions exist because worship does not. So why are we called to live as witnesses? Javi witnessed about the work of Christ in his life. We live as witness because there are those who do not know about God's love for them. And one of the biggest Lies that our enemy wants you to believe if you're a follower of Jesus is there is no need to share. But Jesus in his final lines to his disciples in Acts chapter one, verse eight, we've read it many times in this series already to this point. He says this, Jesus to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If you're taking notes, the very first thing I want you to write down is the Spirit gives you the power uh, for witness, the power for witness. I've already shared it, but the biggest lie that our enemy wants you to believe is there's this lack of importance for witness, at least here in your home, at least here in your own city. But what Jesus starts with is he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. But he starts right at home in Jerusalem where they already were. It's easy for us to think that there are people out there, not out there like Jonesboro, but across the world, across the nation that they need to hear about Jesus, but not right here. There's churches on every street corner. There's, there's really not people who don't know about Jesus in my own neighborhood. But the reality is, is for many of us, as you read this text of, you will be my witness in Jerusalem. That starts right at home base. Many of you are sitting in the same row as the first witness camp that you are called to as mom, dad, grandma, grandpa. Your, your home base is base one for your witness. You've experienced something that you're called to share. That's the definition of being a witness. But the reality is that there are many people, not only in our own homes who don't know about Jesus and have not experienced his love, but they're in our own city, they're in our own state. 
Ryan Berg is a sociologist and he uh, does a weekly report about the state of Christianity in America. And this, just this past week, last Thursday, an email came across uh, in my inbox and it was, what are the religious stats state by state and how have they changed since 2010? And in 2022, for the state of Arkansas, 35% of all those over the age of 18 define themselves religiously as none, N-O-N-E, 35%, 35%. If you work with 10 people in your workplace, that's one out of every three, that's three people in your workplace that is like, I have no need, none for Jesus. And you may think, well, like, well, how does that compare for other states across the nation? Well, let's just think about the state I just left, New York State. New York State actually is just 38%. 35% of people in the state of Arkansas say, I have no need for any religious affiliation whatsoever. That doesn't account for the emptying of churches post-COVID. That doesn't account for those who are practicing other religions. That just says those who say, I don't want anything to do with anything. There is a need for witness in our state, in our home, in our city. People need to know about Jesus from people who love Jesus and have experienced his grace. You see, because the church that we know is just not a building or an event, but a family to belong to is called to be a house of grace, a house of people who are being pursued by a savior and pursuing that perfect savior. And that causes them to live differently. In Acts chapter three, if you're following along your scriptures, just turn from Acts chapter one, just over to Acts three. I'm gonna give you an overview and then we're gonna read that text that Kaylee already read for us, Acts 4, 29. But in Acts three, Peter and John are walking to the temple during the hour of prayer and they see a a man who's been crippled from birth and he asks them for some pocket change. They don't have any to give him and they say, what we do have, we'll give you in the name of the Lord Jesus and that man is healed by the power of Jesus. But then authorities, they get, they get really frustrated with Peter and John. And they call them in and they begin to question them. And they begin to question them about not their healing, but about their witness. They say, why do you talk about this Jesus guy? They could care less that they healed the lame man or the crippled man, but they, they care that they are sharing this message about Jesus. And they, the authorities tell them like, hey, we're going to let you go. Stop sharing about this name of Jesus. Peter and John encourage, they say, Sirs, we can only testify of what we've seen and experienced. So they go about on their way. Then Acts 4.29 is where they get back to the church that they're gathered up with and they tell the church about all that has happened. And the second point, if you're taking note, is this, is the Spirit gives the boldness for witness, because look at how the church responds to the threats of the authorities that they have been threatened by. They pray together. They gather up and they go before the Lord and they declare this. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. 
While you stretch out your hand and heal and signs and wonders are performed before your, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. It says, and when they prayed, the place where they were gathered together was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. If we want to see the Spirit of God work in people's lives, in our lives, in our families' lives, if we want to see a move of the Holy Spirit across our, our city, across our country, across our state, where people will come to Christ. It's not about making the safe move, the strategic move, the uh, right move. It's about making the bold move. It's about going before the Lord in prayer with power and with courage that comes only from the Holy Spirit. Remember, Acts 1 says you receive power for witness. Acts 4 says you receive the boldness or the actual courage to follow through, to speak when having the opportunity to speak. You see, there are people in your household, there are people in your workplace, there are people in your neighborhoods that need your boldness, but that doesn't come by your own self-mustered strength. It comes from the Holy Spirit himself. When a group of people gather around with like hearts and like minds to pray to the Lord, say, Lord, see their threats, give us boldness. See their hostility. Give us courage. So would you be so bold in your journey groups with our prayer team around your tables at dinner time? Would you be so bold to ask God to give you boldness? Would you be bold enough to pray before the Lord to say, Spirit of God, move in my life for me to be a witness? Not to have the safe move, not to have a strategic move, but just to be courageous for your word. Because here, here is what is incredible about the Holy Spirit moving in your life and in my life. That the next thing is, if you have a copy of God's word, turn in one more chapter to Acts 5. Today we're, we're blazing through to see how the Spirit of God just works. Acts 5. That the Spirit actually gives the witness. The Spirit gives the witness. It gives the courage, it gives the power, but it actually, he gives the witness. What's incredible about the context in Acts 5 is again, the apostles are drugged before the authorities because they're sharing the message about Jesus and then they get locked up. In Acts chapter 5, they get locked up because after they were granted the boldness, the room shook where they were gathered and they were praying, they, they go out and proclaim the message of Jesus again. And then the authorities, they, they just put them in. They just put them in the slammer. They lock them up in prison. It says at night, the, the angel of the Lord appears to them, lets them out of prison and says, go to the temple courts and speak with boldness. So it says, when dawn rose, the sun pierced the, the horizon. They were standing in the temple courts and they were declaring the name of Jesus. They were witnessing about Jesus. And everyone starts scratching their heads like, isn't that the same guys that got locked up? Aren't they in prison? So some reports get back to the religious leaders and the authorities and they're like, wait a second, go and check the prison. Go and check the cell where we put them in. The guard's still standing out front and like, like he's, he's there, posted up duty and they, they go and like, wait, 
This place is empty. This is, this is ridiculous. Like, what has happened? So they go and approach the, the guys, and it says, Acts 5.32 says this. It says, the, the apostles speak, and they says, and we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom has given to those who obey him. You see, what they, they speak about here is not just about what they have witnessed. It's also about what the Holy Spirit of God has witnessed himself. Because it's, for me, if I'm being honest, the, the reality in the text is, man, if I was the apostles, I'd be bold too. I witnessed Jesus living in front of me. I witnessed the teaching of Jesus. I listened to him for three years. I watched him die. I abandoned him. I'm going to be bold on this side of the grave. He rose from the dead. If I would have seen those things too, I would be so bold. But don't miss what the apostles say about the Spirit in Acts 5.32. It says, and so is the Spirit a witness. What is this What does this mean in this context? Well, Paul would say it slightly differently in Romans 8.11. In Romans 8.11, Paul's talking about the spirit of God who's living inside of you. And he says this in Romans 8.11. It says, the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Think about this for a second in your scriptures. The opening lines of the scriptures in Genesis it says the spirit of God was hovering over the waters of chaos and then the God the father spoke and the spirit caused creation through the word of God through the power of the spirit of God at the command of the son of God the spirit made it happen and that same spirit on late Saturday night of the first Easter before dawn broke was hovering in the tomb of a dead body of our Savior and brought life back into him. The Spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead, Paul said, dwells in you. So there is a difference between us and the apostles. We didn't get to see Christ Jesus with our physical fleshly eyes, but the Spirit of him who raised him from the dead is actually giving us life more life than oxygen in your lungs and blood in your veins can give in your life. The Spirit of God is giving life to you. The same Spirit that brought life back into the body of Jesus. And He is the witness. And then, because He has witnessed these things, experienced something, and caused to share about it, The last point, if you're taking notes, is this, is the Spirit sends us to witness. Gives you power, gives you boldness, is the witness. And then number four, sends you to be a witness. This is all over the scriptures. But in the book of Acts alone, in Acts 10, 19, the Spirit sends Peter to Cornelius. In Acts 11, Peter shares to the church why the Spirit sent him to a Roman official, the same people who are persecuting them. He's kind of explaining everything. But wait, Cornelius responds to the gospel and gives his life to Christ and gets baptized as his first witness. He bows the knee not to the emperor, but to Christ. In Acts 13, verses 2 and 4, the Spirit sets out 
new work for the first missionaries to go and start a new fresh work in other country. In Acts 16, it tells about Paul, Timothy, and Silas sharing the word of God in Macedonia because the Spirit said, don't go to Asia yet. Stay right in Macedonia. That the Spirit is the one who sends followers of Jesus to share about him. And in Acts chapter 8, the Spirit uses the persecution of the church to spread the, share, the message of the gospel. At the end of Acts chapter 8, really at the end of 7, sorry about that, at the end of 7, one of the first deacons gets killed. His name's Stephen. He's killed by Saul, who would later be known as the Apostle Paul. And in Acts 8, at the beginning of it, it says, Acts 8.1, this is not on the screen, but I'm just going to read this. It says, and Saul approved of his execution... And then arose a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And then they were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So the deacons and the rest of the church, they get scattered out all over the countryside, if you will. And because of that, there's one deacon by his name, Philip, who begins to have a fruitful ministry. And it says the Spirit of God directs him to head south. And when he goes south, he, he meets an Ethiopian official who's just in the middle of the desert. His caravan's in the middle of the desert, and he's reading this scroll of Isaiah, but he really doesn't know exactly what's going on or how to understand it. So Philip begins to explain to this Ethiopian official what's happening, and the official says, I want, I want this suffering servant to be my savior. I want this Christ that you speak of. And I want to witness about him to the world. Look, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? You see, what this Ethiopian official got and what the early church got is this, is that our first witness was to go public with our faith in Christ through believer's baptism. And in Acts 8, 39, it says it like this. It says, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch or the official saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. You see, the spirit directed Philip's life as a life of witnessing, willing to travel for miles for one person to hear about Jesus. You see, the Spirit gives you power in your life for witness. He gives you boldness for witness. If you would just ask Him. He is the witness. He's witnessed it. And He directs your life to witness to others. So I just have two simple questions and we're going to wrap up. See, the Spirit directed Philip's life of witnessing. So I want you to ask this question over your life. Where has the Spirit positioned you in your life to be a witness? Where has the Spirit positioned you in your life to be a witness? Is it in your home? 
Is the primary calling for your life right now the way that you can honor the Lord and live faithful for Jesus right in your own four walls among your spouse and your children or maybe it's your roommates? Where has the Spirit positioned you in your life to to live faithful for Him right now? Is it in your workplace? Is it in your school? Is it in your job? Where is it? How does the God of the universe, the spirit of witness who witnessed creation, who witnessed the resurrection of Christ living inside of you, desiring you to live your life for him right where he's placed you in power, in boldness, in witness. Like the official, have you responded to Christ through your first act as a witness through baptism? Maybe like Philip. Is there one person that your mind is on that you say, Christ, I need boldness through the power of your spirit, that your spirit is moved in me because it wants me to go to somebody else. So where has the spirit positioned you in your life? And then here's the second question. Who is one person the spirit is sending you to? It's all over the scriptures that it's not about the holy huddle. It's not about just, okay, I'm good with Jesus. My life is over now. I can do what I want now. I've surrendered. I'll be in heaven with him one day. But it's always others focused outward of being, you've experienced this. You've got to share it with somebody else. One out of every three people in the state of Arkansas say, I want nothing to do with Jesus. That's just those bold enough to testify doesn't count for those who fill up churches every Sunday but actually have no heart calling to Christ and surrender it accounts nothing for those that are like yeah I used to do that but I don't anymore but I'll check it on a box anyways people need Christ I need Christ we need Christ to surrender would you be so bold to pray for them that the Spirit would use you in their life. So if you would, would you get in a prayer posture that you feel comfortable with just for the next few moments and best you can with little ones in the room? We'll just spend time praying for these two prompts of where has the Spirit positioned you and who's one person the Spirit's sending you towards? Holy Spirit, would you move in our lives and in our hearts right now that we may be looking back on our life of how you've orchestrated it all, how you've moved through it all, that you have positioned us with an opportunity to be a witness right where you have us, to our families, to our coworkers, to be the best employer or employee for your glory so that others may know you, that we've experienced a life change and you get glory when people come to know you and their lives are changed forever. It's all about what you have already accomplished and you have moved in our lives. May you awaken our spirits with power and boldness and direction 
go to other people to leverage our lives for what you're doing right here, right now. That we wouldn't seek comfort or strategy or safety, but we would seek to make your name known above all else. Holy Spirit, over the next few days and moments, would you bring to our minds one person that you're moving us towards, that you want us to move towards, like Philip to the unit, God, like Philip to the official, that we would just follow your lead, your direction, and, and lay down our lives so that others may come to know you. Would you not allow this teaching or your word to stop here, God? Would you allow it to continue to spread out in our lives and take root? May we capture this. May you capture our hearts and do what only you can do. In Christ's name.